your ranch afternoon ranch. Me and Jared are reunited again for this uh, review of Avatar, and I'm also joined by Cal, well, who I've 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 convinced to join. Yeah, you really twisted my arm. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we've got a really super cool setup right now doing this. We've got my laptop um, balanced on some <laughs> a box of glass bottles for homemaking beer in the bedroom. <laughs> and that's the desk. Oh, so is that how you guys are passing quarantine time? Is that a... Well, it was supposed to be, but it's a more involved process. And there's equipment that I didn't realize. And now I'm kind of like, part of me feels it's too far in to start a new hobby, but... Who knows? I mean, you've got the stuff here, like... Right, well, but I need tanks and apparently and pressure things and other stuff. Well, either way, our brewery is unfortunately not going to happen anytime soon. But in the meantime, we have been spending it watching Avatar The Last Airbender. It finally came on Netflix, and so now it's like, all right... We, we got to review this because this is like the show everybody is talking about right now, even though it ended like 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it ended in what, like 2007, I think? 2008. It, it ran from uh, 2005 to 2008 on Nickelodeon. Which, funny enough, I think that as a kid, being that, you know, this was on Nickelodeon, I just don't feel like that. I took this show as seriously um, because, well, obviously I was a kid, but also like I, you know, I don't know. You just don't ex- expect something of that caliber. I'm not trying to knock Nickelodeon here. Like I loved Hey Arnold. I loved Rugrats, but they are nowhere near the caliber of storytelling that I'm realizing just watching season one, like that Avatar was. This was a whole other thing they were trying to serve up kids in the early 2000s. And I don't feel like I appreciated it personally like at all. <laughs> you know, I don't think I actually realized, and again, I think it was just because I was a dumb kid. Like I didn't realize like how good like the writing and like the actual purpose that the show was trying to like teach people you know like i just didn't understand it at all as a kid i was like oh this is cool they could shoot fire from their hands you know and like that was kind of it and it's interesting that i think it's interesting that it's american um because when you look at it you see cartoon you think anime there's a lot of asian influences there's a lot of native influences but it does come from american creators and i think that's noteworthy and to to come from that source. Just getting into the background of it for those that don't know, which again, I will always stress when anytime we do these reviews on a podcast, why are you clicking on something if you don't know anything about it? I mean, maybe they're trying to like broaden their horizon. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Either way, this was created uh, by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konietzko. Sorry if I'm butchering that, but it was in 2005. And uh, it was kind of inspired, they said, by a lot of different things. Like they loved legends like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. They loved that kind of epic feel. Um, And they just basically had this idea (laughs) in their very early development. um, Konietzko said that there's an air guy along with these water people. People trapped in a snowy wasteland and maybe some fire people are pressing down on them and that was pretty much it and he drew a bison in the sky and like a balding middle-aged man and then imagined him as a child and and by the way the animation was mostly done in south korean studios jm animation dr movie and moi 
animation. So the deal with this is, is, you know, so you've got this kind of uh, background of this avatar who's supposed to bring peace to the world and he disappears for a hundred years. The, the world that he left becomes in shambles. The Fire Nation attacks and then the Fire Nation attacks and attacks the three other elementals, air, water, and earth. Yeah. And, earth, then, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and dominates them. And so now uh, the Avatar has returned, but he's a 12-year-old boy, and he has to kind of deal with being this savior of the, the this new world. But at the same time, he, you know, is still very much so a 12-year-old boy, so he's grappling with that. So I would say that would be the, the easiest way to explain it, honestly, is that premise, which is already kind of lofty. Honestly. Yeah, but here's the thing. For taking, like, a lot of, like, anime influence and, like, kind of, like, the bigger world building of stuff like Harry Potter, you know, like, I feel like it's just as complicated as it needs to be, truthfully. Like, it's a good hook. Like, I, th I think especially, like, the first couple episodes do a great job of just kind of, like, setting the scene for the rest of the series. Right. It, I don't feel like it's overly complicated. It As much as they like Lord of the Rings, it's not Lord of the Rings and the fact that you've got, like, 12 different characters. All the main characters are introduced, from my understanding at least, in, like, the first two episodes. Like, these are the people you're going to be with the whole time. Like, there's Yeah, basically. I, I think, uh... Except for maybe a couple people that show up later in the show, like season two, like basically every single like person of like Team Avatar, as they start to call it, uh, is introduced in the first couple episodes. And th those first couple ep episodes are interesting to me because they're directed by Dave Filoni, which is a name that recently has popped up again because he's one of the creative drivers behind The Mandalorian. Um, and Dave Filoni directed both those uh series premiere episodes and the season finale of season one so that was just a name when it popped up in the credits i was like hey i recognize that i think he was involved in something else and then i realized like oh this dude knows his stuff he's made avatar and mandalorian he's he knows what he's doing yeah and a uh, cool thing about dave filoni he's done a bunch of different stuff with star wars like i believe he did uh clone wars and rebels as well oh wow so yeah, so for me, the, the dude has made, like, a lot of, like, my favorite shows on TV. You know, like, Avatar, and then, I mean, Clone Wars, and then, like, Mandalorian. Top three. That's like a chef kiss right there. Right. <laughs> so good. So, obviously, this show goes to Nickelodeon, okay? And, uh, you know, I, I think we already kind of covered, but, you know, what what... Did you have any explicit, like, like memories watching this as a kid, watching it on Nickelodeon? Like, did you have first impressions? Yeah, so I actually remember, uh, it's funny because I was in, I think it was the first grade at the time when uh, the season premiere happened, or the, uh, the series premiere happened for Avatar. So I remember, like, watching the first two episodes because they aired episodes one and two back to back uh, on just, like, some weeknight back in 2005. So for me, it was this really cool thing watching the show kind of like just happen in just just to see like the start of the show. And like I remember, yeah. especially throughout the rest of the series, always really enjoying it, mostly for the action scenes. But now I can appreciate the story. So how about you guys? You know, it was interesting. I'm sure I watched it very early on and as it was played and replayed on Nickelodeon. But I think where I saw it primarily it was through the first iteration of Netflix where they sent you the DVDs, because we knew, like, hey, this is a really good show. Oh, we can get the DVDs of it in our minds for free, because we weren't paying for Netflix, and I still don't pay for Netflix. But 
that was the way that I saw, and it was still kind of in chunks, so this is the first opportunity I've had to really sit down and watch it, but it's interesting how much I'm remembering of like, oh wait, I've seen this before, I kind of remember why this is important or what's going to happen. It's like a flashback. Mm. Leah, how about you? I didn't watch anything um, because of the nature of cable and the way that my schedule was as a kid, which was reckless. I never watched anything like really in um, like series form. So I didn't see one episode and then the other. So my I probably had the least amount of knowledge about the series than anyone else. I just knew that it was um, I had watched it as a kid. I, I knew a couple different things, but I really didn't know a lot about it. And at the time, I was just I was interested, admittedly, in in, in other things. When in two thousand five, I was more interested in like these other budding anime obsessions that I was growing, and I just it kind of got fell by the wayside. And then I noticed. Now, as an adult, that that um, this just was a show that just kept getting brought up and I just found so interesting in the fact that it only has three seasons and, you know, so a very limited run, honestly, for Nickelodeon when you've got things like Spongebob still going on now, but like that it had such staying power with people's minds and childhoods for those that had seen the entire series. So it intrigued me. And so when it came to Netflix, that's kind of how we began on this journey. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. See this, uh, this show. And then the original Pokemon anime where I feel like kind of like my gateway into the whole like anime art style and like the way of storytelling. Cause like, I think when I, I always knew it, it's just kind of like that cool look as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember like watching this for the first, uh, you know, for, you know, its entire runtime. And, you know, I was a kid who, you know, I had soccer practice and stuff like that. So like I, I would occasionally miss, uh, I, you know, I would like, like occasionally miss an episode here and there, but I always remember enjoying it. But then eventually this kind of like spiraled into uh, my friend Josh, actually. One of the first anime I ever watched uh, was called Gurren Lagann. Did you guys ever uh, watch that? I heard of it. Yeah, I never watched it. Yeah, so that came out in 2007. And it was same thing, just like one season. It was kind of like a one-off anime. But like Josh told me, he was like, yeah, no, like this is called anime. It's like Japanese animation. And then I just kind of like took the deep dive. And it's largely thanks to like Avatar and Pokemon for doing that. Well, and it's interesting because those, those two shows are similar in that like you have this group of people that you become acquainted with and know very well and they have this longer term far out journey and we're dropping in on them on a daily basis but i think they approach those drop-ins which are the episodes in a really different way like pokemon you're dropping in on them and so much of pokemon is filler it's like hey this is our way to introduce you to a different type of pokemon and what they do but the thing that I really felt watching this is so little of it in the end ends up being filler. Like there were episodes where they would happen and I'd be like, oh, Leah, don't worry, that's filler. And then as we would watch later episodes, I'd be like, oh, wait, no, that came back. That was important. So I think they really, even though the first season is like 20, 22 episodes, they really use each of them to either establish something thematically or introduce characters or progress plot or just useful time. For sure. And one thing that I respect about Avatar greatly is that it commits to like, it's not doing like a standard TV format where it's just there's one big bad every season. The entire show builds up to this huge encounter with the Fire Lord. However, we are on, we're only talking about season one today. Right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't want to get, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. You know what it keeps reminding me of watching this now? It reminds me of Game of Thrones 
and I'm scared I'm going to get let down. But I don't think I will because no, this No, no, you will not. I guarantee you. You, you will not be let down. <laughs> this thing won a Peabody Award. so I, And that's what I always go back to when I explain this to people. I'm like, no, you don't understand. This isn't like... This isn't just any cartoon. This thing, this thing like won awards and rightfully so. So jumping into it, um, you know, obviously the first season, first seasons can be hard, man. Sometimes you get people that like with shows, they're like, ah, skip the first season because, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're trying to find their groove. Not, not with this series. I think that we would all probably agree on that. It's like already like here you go here's the avatar here's you know what i mean the journey he's got to become master these elements he's got Sokka and katara maybe he's in love with her uh <laughs> get on up and go <laughs> well, I, I, that's what i told you to do with parks and rec but i think part of the way that helps is in the same way with spider-man homecoming is we get a hero who is comfortable in his skin and in his abilities we don't have to see Uncle Ben get killed. He and then he him get bitten by the spider metaphorically. Like he comes out, he's a great airbender. He's capable in battle. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's easy to root for. No, I was gonna say I think he's just like this lovable kid, you know. And like especially when it comes to uh, like his airbending side of things, I completely agree with Kyle. Like you don't need like that Uncle Ben moment because like it's already explained in the first you know minute of the show when they're explaining the backstory. Right. It's like in the whole intro of like, you know, and then he disappeared and all that stuff. Like you're getting that in the intro. So like it doesn't waste your time at all. And I think I got to respect it. Same thing with the lack of filler. This show does not waste your time ever. Like everything always has a purpose. Yeah, it definitely feels like fully thought out, well-crafted from beginning to... I, I get the sense, not having seen the end yet, but at least this season, it definitely seemed like things kept returning, characters came back, moments that you thought were just just there, you know, ended up mattering. And, um, you know, it's interesting, we're also watching, you know, My Hero Academia, and, uh, you know, so you got this that protagonist who starts out from nothing and he just keeps failing and bailing and bailing and losing and losing and losing. And and with Aang, it's like you kind of get out the gate and it's like, dude, it'll mess you up with some wind, which I, to be fair, of the elements, I was like, air sounds crappy until you watch Aang. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, air sounds like the worst power to have. <laughs> yeah, but again, like he makes it cool. You know, like yeah. I don't feel like there's many lame characters, especially in the first season. Like, I think everybody is, like, memorable for at least a few different characteristics, you know? Absolutely. And, I mean, the in the elements, like, the actual bending, I think, helps really define these characters, too. Oh, my gosh. Let's talk about the bending. Let's talk about the fact that it looks so freaking cool when they do those movements. They kind of remind <laughs> you of, like, a little bit of kung fu, tai chi, like, those smooth movements to kind of bring out the element, the bending itself. It's just magical to watch. It's kind of crazy. You know, I kind of want to be an earthbender after watching this, you know? Like, I just want to, like, stomp my foot on the ground and have, like, a piece of rock fly up. Like, that'd be <laughs> so, so cool, man. I want it. Like, and it, and it made me feel that same exact way as a kid, too. You know, like, I, like, in the, like, I remember playing in the pool as a kid pretending I was a waterbender, you know? Yeah. And, like, it's so <laughs> nice to see that it keeps that feeling, like, all these years later. I think it's interesting that it just it to a degree it it obviously requires its own suspension of belief but they don't give you much in the way at least in what we've seen of how this happens or where it comes from like 
it's clearly not something that's genetically passed down because Katara is a waterbender and Sokka isn't, but they don't explain. It's not like they say like, okay, you have this source of, they, they don't give you mana. It's just like you have these abilities and it's something you have to train. And I, I've, I've been curious in thinking before we came into this, like what makes someone a more powerful bender than another person? It, does it have to do with technique? Is it like your creativity? Or where does the strength come from, or is it just a figure that they're assigning? That's something that I, I have been going over in my mind. You know, I think it's interesting that you should bring up creativity, because I think that we saw in that episode uh, with Aang, where he meets up again with his... I loved this episode. This might... And we'll talk about this later. It might be my favorite mm -hmm. one, where he... Uh, I think it's the King of, uh, the King of Omashu, where he um, learns to get creative with his airbending and he goes up against this earthbender and he's like the earthbender is like you know kind of like playing messing with him and is like you need to be you need to be quicker you need to think you know differently in the way you're using your power we know you can do your little airball scooter now show us something else <laughs> and uh so i would i would say personally just watching it i would think creativity makes it makes a better bender yeah so not to uh not to spoil anything but uh the sequel series uh legend of korra does kind of go into like the origins of bending and stuff oh cool so like yeah so like i, I don't know how far if you guys are like really taking the deep dive but like legends of korra definitely like builds on top of that too but so you mentioned uh king of omashu you think that might be your favorite episode um yeah, honestly, I think it did because the the great thing about this and why I'm trying to kind of avoid social media, even though I've already had some things spoiled for me, which is just like such a bummer. Um, I liked the fact that with King of Omashu, where they go to this kingdom and he, he's talking about his friend Boomy and his Boomy's kind of weird and goes down the mail shoot carrier and stuff and then come to find out he's the king that he's fighting with at the end. I had that classic moment where I was like, oh, like I had that gasp and I was like, <laughs> it's him. Like I was actually duped, even though the guy had crazy eyes. And I feel like maybe even a child watching it was probably like, oh, that's Boomy. I didn't put two and two together till the very end of that episode. So it was a very <laughs> magical moment for me. And I, and it, it made me, filled with wonder it made me root for ang so much and i wanted him to get better and i loved him reuniting with his friend and then shooting off into the mail carrier system <laughs> that actually might be my favorite yeah that was something that where was like they definitely telegraph it if you know what you're looking for because that was one i had seen and i remembered but for me it was something that i had forgotten about it's when ang gets captured by general zhao after he goes to try and find the, the medicine for Sokka and Katara when they're sick, and he gets rescued by this blue spirit, and you're like, oh, cool, there's this ninja character. We're going to have somebody who's going to help them. And then they go through this whole yeah. escape, and you're like, wow, this is a new ally. Wonderful. And then the <laughs> This is a new ally. Wonderful. <laughs> Sorry. And, and then the guy's masks fall off, and you're like, oh, it's, it's Zuko. And that just brings so much of it into a different color of like no he's not trying to save him he's just trying to recapture him for his own gain and i was just like oh my god they were roommates <laughs> they were roommates <laughs> 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 yeah what about you jared what's your favorite episode 
Okay, and so I, I'll explain this to you. So the Siege of the North, uh, like the two-parter last two episodes of season one, I think are my favorite, but largely just because I'm such a sucker for Uncle Iroh. Like, he is by far my favorite character in the series, and he has this moment where he kind of breaks through from the rest of the Fire Nation, and when he's going up against Zhao uh, in the, uh, like, the oasis there, and he says something along the lines of, like, if you kill the moon spirit, I'll take your life, or something something like that, and I was like, I love seeing this man be a badass throughout the series, and then I like seeing him regress into this kind of just like wise old sage and like i just love seeing moments like that like giving him to sh- like giving him moments to shine yeah makes me so happy yeah he te- he tells them whatever you do to that spirit i will unleash on you tenfold yeah. oh yeah that's it that's it yeah. and none of them really take him seriously because they view him as this failure because he on to his siege of bossing say the earth kingdom capital or earth kingdom's great city i guess not the capital so mashu the capital was just unsuccessful so they view him as a failure but he in turn he says he's like this i you know this was for my people like i was tired i went home right <laughs> you know yeah. un- uncle iroh is definitely uh, he's the character to watch and when you realize that that this is a peabody award-winning series because of characters like uncle iroh who are i feel like just walking um what are the like proverbs kind of deal like that just goes to show me that this this series was thinking outside of just entertaining children i think that it was also trying to to impart knowledge honestly and and values which i appreciate Mm. Well, I think it it faces a lot of really heavy subjects just head on, but it it does it in a really tactful way. Like they're talking about genocide and and racism and yeah. like f- like familial fracturing and like gender inequality ge- with uh, Katara, where she can't learn to to waterbend, you know? Yeah, because she's yeah. a girl. Yeah. But and that's the funny thing though is that like even as a kid, like. I kind of, like, now I, I notice it more, but, you know, like, I remember, like, seeing things like that, and I was like, yeah, that's not right. Katara's badass. She should be able to waterbend, you know? And, like, I don't know. I think it's cool how, like, they make those messages, like, so easily accessible for people watching the show, you know? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, and, and speaking of Katara, I, I feel like... I would be remiss in saying how much I loved her freaking character in this. I mean, genuinely, I liked I liked all of the characters in season one. I thought that I would not like, you know, somebody, but everybody was interesting to watch and everybody is so different and well thought out and like Katara's like fiery and Sokka's kinda like, you know, he's kinda silly, but he's got a good heart. And Aang watching Aang as an adult breaks my heart because Aang is very much so a 12-year-old boy and he is grappling with these pressures of adulthood that's being thrust on him, like from a very early age, and he still just very much so wants to be a kid. And I think that those moments in those ser- the series, like, right now just really break my heart because you can see him kind of, like, really trying to balance the two. Yeah, and I really do like, and n- not everything gets brought up in season one, but, like, throughout the entire series, every single character here has a character arc. You know, like, everybody has a purpose. Like, it doesn't feel like anybody's ever wasted. 
I'm so, like, it, there's, there's people who only show up for, like, one or two episodes, but they come back closer to the end. And it's just so nice to see that, like, none of these characters ever get forgotten about. Cabbage Man, hopefully, comes <laughs> back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, um... I'm curious to see the changes that I know that are going to happen. Like, I already kind of get the sense Zuko is probably going to change. You know, he's that classic, like, anti-hero kind of dude. Well, because they, they spend several episodes where they're showing him and Aang almost in a duality when he and Katara are in the cave during the storm and he's talking about his, his upbringing and how he was told he was the Avatar. That's that's running directly parallel to Iroh explaining to the men on Zuko's ship how he got his scar and how he came to be in the position that he is. And that's that's clearly intentional that we're supposed to see them as, you know, the, these opposite forces, but work, you know, it seems like they do work well, well together. Like they have a couple like moments that aren't just that are beyond just like a oh you're a villain because right. if he's a villain Aang just leaves him out there to die right during the siege but he doesn't do that because that's who he is he respects all life yeah so um so what would we say is the weakest episode in the series i mean in the season yeah uh i'm trying to think the so here's the thing. I actually really enjoy, like, there wasn't a single episode that I'd be like, yeah, you can skip that, you know? But if there's, like, one I had to cut out, probably the waterbending scroll one, uh, where they introduce the pirates. See, but the pirates, oh. the pirates come back later to make the attempt on Zuko's life. For me, it was the great divide, and, and maybe they come back later to to those people but i was just like okay so we were on the one side of this canyon and now we're on the other and we've we've basically just shown like yes the avatar can mediate disputes when realistically we could have just got on appa and been on the other side of this hmm. yeah i i actually i have to agree i have fell asleep during the great divide did you oh no <laughs> I was just, it was really late at night. It wasn't that the episode wasn't compelling. I do enjoy watching this. I was very tired. And I was <laughs> okay. falling asleep and I woke up and Kyle was like, you know what? That was an exe episode that existed as a standalone, honestly. Like that mm -hmm. I feel like you could have missed. But yeah, I mean, unlike other reviews that we've done in the past with other works, I feel like with this one, I mean, really everything is very much so necessary like for the story. So, I mean, I say that, but it's like, you know, that's just a minor, that's just for conversation's sake to say if it has a weak episode or not, you know? Yeah. Right. Like I really don't have anything against any of the episodes, you know, like season two, I think. And again, so I already went ahead. I watched the entire series. Season two has one episode I would skip. Other than that, this show is like flawless. Like I loved every other like sec every other episode. Yeah. So I, don't, I feel like it's gonna it's hard to really uh like complain about the show truthfully. Right. Like it's, I mean at least me personally, I think it's one of the probably the best what like the best written kids show that's like been made in recent history at the very least. And you know, speaking of the fact that we have nothing terrible to say about the show, uh. The movie, however, 
The Last Airbender <laughs> based off of book one, Water, which, by the way, I was so disappointed. I always thought as a child that they were books and I was eventually going to, like, find the books at Barnes & Noble and everyone was like, no, Leah, you're dumb. Like, that's just how they say the season. <laughs> book one, Water was adapted into a live-action film, The Last Airbender, by M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan-ding-dong. And released in <laughs> 2010. And it says on the Wikipedia the film was universally panned. With with yeah. two sources oh. after that. It cites two sources that it was universally panned. <laughs> Alright, yeah. So uh Jared, you were saying you've never seen this movie? Never. Yeah, I only the trailer. Only the trailer. That's it. Wow. Yeah. They well they call him Ong for the whole time, which is dumb because you have this entire series worth of people calling him Aang. This isn't something they've adapted from the book where the pronunciation is up to question. They they call him Ong for no damn reason. Wow, Dev Patel was Prince Zuko? What? <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. Like, they had, like, a decent amount of talent, like, for the last <laughs> Airbender movie. I, it, like, so, like, what's the issue with it? Like, I know it's terrible in that, like, like was it just disrespectful to, like, the like the show? Yes, it was, it was, like, everything that we just spent the last 30 minutes talking about why we like Avatar so much. I feel like he was just, like, eh. <laughs> I'm gonna loosely base everything it's like he barely watched they, the show like they try to make it into an action movie none of the characters have any personality they there's momo erasure there's appa erasure they just again they try and compress way too much character development and like growth and journey it's like a fast travel instead of going through the level. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. This uh, this series was meant to be a series um, and, and making it into a movie. I'm not sure that it could ever be successfully done because like we just said, there's really no episode that felt like really out of place. You needed that development, you know, to fully understand. It's a whole world they're creating. And I'm, oh yeah, yeah. Peter Jackson's the only dude I know that's ever been able to like to to summarize something so epic into a successful movie. Because I would even argue the Harry Potter movies are it's questionable. Honestly. Really? Hot okay, take. Right. that's Hot another take. topic. Another topic. <laughs> they, they are missing key points. And I think one of the, the real criticisms that has to be levied if we're dropping bombs on the last Airbender movie is it's whitewashed. It's it's just something that clearly draws a lot of influences from like Asian culture and martial arts and Oh my god. It has a five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Woof. Oh my god. Yeah, oh yeah. Like people hated this this movie uh, very in in a weird like opposite yin yang situation from the the show where the show is universally loved, the movie is universally hated. There was nothing in it for anyone. Which makes me wonder <laughs> if this was the price we had to pay for the show. That because the show was this good, we had to receive a movie this bad. It made me really sad because I love M. Night Shyamalan. If I'm be real here, like, I do like M. Night Shyamalan I a like lot. him too. Yeah. And I just feel like when he did this, it really, like, cemented his position for a while in the public eye as being, like, a terrible director. And I just don't feel like he is. But I feel like this was a massive misstep on his part. Like, 
Oh, yeah. Well, because he even said that uh, in interviews and stuff. Because here's the thing. For somebody who's never seen the movie, I've watched a lot of interviews about it. And he was just saying, oh, yeah, no, my kids loved Avatar. So I figured I would take a stab at it. Right. You know? And it felt like... like, I respect, like, I get it. But at the same time, like, a show like this is so much more complex than just, like, a schlocky action movie, you know? Right. If you were going to watch over your kid's shoulder maybe an episode of, like, Wild Thornberries and you decide to take a crack at it or something, fine, whatever. There's not really much lore going on there, but... (laughs) You spit out a horror... (laughs) And my Shyamalan would spit out a horror movie... Of wild of Darwin marriage. talking <laughs> of, <laughs> of Nigel of Nigel of Nigel yeah smashing smashing yeah. yeah oh man flea as uh the what was the wild boy's name <laughs> you know what I'm talking about anyway yeah, I oh know. I know I the know. reason that came out is because I was I was thinking of shows around that time that were also like pretty popular but anyway mm. getting off subject um so yeah so I mean I mean I feel like that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it till next time then until I, next time yeah all right well have fun with that uh that trivia hey uh no it's happening tonight so you can't plug it. <laughs> No, no, unfortunately, but that's okay. Plug that's your other right. trivia. Plug your other stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so currently, uh, as some of uh, you listeners might know, I'm a DJ, but uh, as of right now, I'm hosting trivia over at uh, twitch.tv slash Jared Maple Plays. So every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I am streaming various things, but usually it is some trivia nights uh, at 730. Yeah, so lots of fun. Uh Lots of laughs, and yeah, that's about it. I don't, I don't do plugs too often. I'm not that great at this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we'll uh, all link up together here in my room on Discord <laughs> next time right. for season all two right. of Avatar. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs>